Jean Cocteau was many things. Poet, playwright, critic, provocateur, producer, designer, filmmaker, artist. As well, he was especially interested in what he might have called the poetry of sound. It began with music, but came to encompass the whole sonic world. Some film theorists even think of him as the first sound designer in the modern filmic sense of the word. Why limit our listening was his message. Jean Cocteau's connection with musicians, including composers, was important and took many forms. The culmination of Cocteau's collaboration with Francis Poulenc, for example, is the opera The Human Voice, La Voix Humaine, which reimagined Cocteau's play of that name as a musical work. And it is a wonderful example of the interchange of Cocteau's work with music. But let's turn the clock back 40 or even 50 years and listen to where it started. By the time he was 20, Jean Cocteau was already a published poet, and spending time with writers like André Gide and Marcel Proust and composer Reynaldo Hahn. It was with Hahn that Cocteau got his first big break in 1912, a commission from Sergei Diaghilev of the Ballet Russe, no less, to write the scenario for a new ballet called Le Dieu Bleu, The Blue God, designed to be a showpiece for dancer Václav Nijinsky, made up all in blue from head to foot like an Indian god. It was a flop, a complete failure. Nobody went. The producer, Diaghilev, was furious. Astonish me, he said. Cocteau later admitted that that had meant nothing to him. As he put it, I was from a family in which one didn't ever think of astonishing. We believed that art was tranquil calm, different. Diaghilev got what he wanted the following year, of course, with a different creative team and Stravinsky's Rite of Spring. This changed everything. As Cocteau put it in his journal, it totally upset me. Stravinsky was the first to teach me how to insult habits, without which art stagnates and remains a game. For Cocteau, 
music came to be about situations, familiarities, allegiances. For him, when people talked about music, they were really talking about themselves. A couple of years later, around 1915, he was introduced to Eric Satie by a mutual friend, Valentin Hugo. Valentin was an artist, and her get-togethers became a kind of salon or club, one of the few truly creative outlets in what was by then wartime Paris. Out of their conversations grew a new collaboration, and it led to a new commission from Diaghilev and the Ballet Russe. This was Parade, Parade, which premiered in May of 1917 at the elegant Théâtre du Châtelet. With music by Eric Satie, designs by Pablo Picasso, and a scenario developed by Jean Cocteau and Valentin Hugo, it was a show the like of which Paris had never seen before, or at least not in a venue like that, evoking popular entertainment, music halls and silent film. At Cocteau's insistence, Satie included non-musical effects in the score to suggest the flickering world of the movies, with gunshots, typewriter clacking, a foghorn, milk bottles and so on. Cocteau's concept was that this was a parade, hence the title, a sequence of short previews put on in the street by different performers as they tried to draw an audience to the main show inside, which we never see. So we get snapshots of different things jumbled together. There's a Chinese conjurer, a little American girl from the movies, two acrobats and so on, all ending with a desperate ragtime dance routine. It was not so much a play within a play as a no-show within a show. It was based around nothing. With this, the rough, popular tunes and hijinks of the streets and the music hall invaded the elegant surrounds of the Théâtre du Châtelet, complete with angular choreography and Picasso's stiff, cubist cardboard costumes. It was irreverent, it broke all the rules, it irritated audiences. Writing about this show, the poet Guillaume Apollinaire had to invent a new word, surrealism. He went on, however, also describing this show as astonishingly expressive, so clean-cut and so simple. And with that, Apollinaire pointed towards what Cocteau was really aiming at. The next year, reflecting on Parade, Cocteau published an artistic manifesto of sorts called The Cock and the Harlequin, in which he railed against artistic conventions and conventional taste, in music and art especially. He even criticised the music of Claude Debussy, only recently deceased, saying, Enough of clouds, waves, aquariums, water sprites and nocturnal scents. 
What we need is a music of the earth, everyday music. I want someone to build me music I can live in, like a house. This provocation fired up a new generation of composers, including the young Francis Poulenc. Amongst the earliest songs composed by Poulenc were settings of three short texts by Jean Cocteau, which he called cockades. Here's the third song, Child of the Troop. We're back at the circus. It's the interval. The ushers are shouting out their wares. Soft caramels, acid drops, a glass of beer. Then, at the end, a trapeze artist gets back up on the high wire, cheating death before being cheered with a flourishing fanfare. A very early song by Francis Poulenc, composed in 1919, when he was just 20 years of age, setting words by Jean Cocteau, not something he would do again for many years, though Cocteau's indirect influence arguably never left him. Poulenc was one of a small group of young composers that emerged around both Eric Satie, whom they thought of as a father figure, and Cocteau paying tribute to them in various events in the wake of parade. And so Cocteau took them under his wing, so to speak, arranged to get them some free publicity, and as a result, this very loose gathering of new music makers came to be known as Les Six, the Six. They were the musical avant-garde. Alongside Poulenc, there was Germaine Taillefer, Arthur Honegger, Georges Auric, Louis Duret, and Darius Milou. For them, the war had changed everything. The world was in ruins, and with it, the reputation of European culture itself. Their attitude was, let's do away with everything, clean away all the excesses of the past. In 1921, five of the six provided music to another surreal ballet to a scenario by Jean Cocteau, Les Mariés de la Tour Eiffel, The Wedding Party at the Eiffel Tower. A photographer tries to capture wedding guests on film, but his camera malfunctions and instead releases subjects it caught earlier, including an ostrich, a sunbathing model and a lion who eats one of the guests, while two robotic voices issue instructions. To get a flavour of the mayhem unleashed on stage, here is Germaine Taillefer's contribution, her piece entitled The Waltz of the Telegrams.
Music continued to be a medium of experiment. More and more, as the world changed, new technologies emerged and became part of the everyday, including, of course, sound recording. Lacis, however, had a very short shelf life and was on the way out even when they were working on that ballet, the wedding party at the Eiffel Tower. The composers went their separate ways. Of them, Georges Auric probably had the most to do with Cocteau in the years that followed, as he became a film composer. But for Francis Poulenc, this was still clearly an important formative influence. In the 1950s and 60s, he started reflecting on these old connections. One of Poulenc's last works, his clarinet sonata, completed in 1962, was dedicated to his fellow composer from Lécis, Arthur Honegger. The style is a lot more refined now, but it still retains that clarity and directness that Cocteau urged from them. As you can imagine him saying, keep listening to the world and enjoy the music. You're listening to RTE Lyric Live 